When you've been in investment recovery as long as the team at MMR has been, there's an entire library of stories that make one company's extremely strange surplus another company's newfound treasure. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. You are listening to I Need This Gone Tomorrow, a podcast by Material Management Resources. MMR is a full-service investment recovery firm serving a variety of industries, including oil and gas and utilities. On this podcast, we talk all about responsible investment recovery, which is more than an afterthought. It can become a strategic advantage and a differentiator if it's handled properly. This podcast is about how you and your company can leverage investment recovery in your projects. My guests today are Stacey Elliott, Michael Beeth, and Melissa Graham. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you. Good morning. Today we're talking about how to handle hard-to-sell items. In investment recovery, there are several things that impact what makes something hard to sell. Factors like environmental regulation, weather, location, and market value can all come into play. So let's get into it. Melissa, MMR has been in investment recovery a long time. How has helping clients sell difficult to sell items changed over the years? We've been doing this since 1994. And I have to say, probably one of the biggest changes is technology. Um, You know, back in 94, the internet didn't exist like it does now. Um, I remember saying, I'm going to have to take a class on this whole World Wide Web thing because I don't know what it is. (laughs) And now it's just second nature. But so not only are um, their reference material about the material easily available online, we can do more of our research that way to find out what the market's doing what the possible use is if it's something we haven't heard of before. You know, Mm -hmm. what is this and how do you use it? Um, And we've also changed how we market to our buyers. You know, it used to be direct emails and we had an Excel file and you had to filter it and find the email addresses. Um, Then uh, we started with a really basic website, but now we've got a website that we can list the material on. We can send um, uh, focused emails to our buyers based on material that they're interested in. We know what we're looking for. We've got uh, databases of our buyers and what they've bought and what their interests are. So we can uh, find those buyers and uh, approach them directly if it's something that we think that they might have a use for. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the technology has really helped us um, you know, leverage and, and expand and do more for our clients. Great. And just going off of what Melissa was saying, um, I think looking up specs, um, has helped us a lot. You know, if a customer doesn't have mm-hmm. specs on something, we can look up manufacturer specs, which helps us to sell because all buyers want to have as much information as possible. Yeah, oh, I'll second that. And I think just just yesterday, actually, I was talking to the company that created something. Right? So if they mm-hmm. manufactured it, um, so we can get that information off it, and then we can go back and we have history to say hey, you were on the team that made this. Um, And and so we can actually get information on why it was made or even who engineered it. So those are the things I think we do that goes above and beyond just Mm -hmm. finding a buyer. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing that hasn't changed with the whole process is that, you know, we're going to do it right. 
we're going to meet the controls. We're going to do it ethically. We're going to communicate with you and and um, make sure we understand expectations. So, Stacy, what kinds of items do clients typically need to sell? There's a steady stream of certain commodities that we will sell on a regular basis for our clients. And, and uh, I think the biggest one is tubing, pipe, duck rods. And, Michael, you could probably have some other ones. Yes, also valves and cable we see quite often on a regular basis. Yeah, mm-hmm. so those are those things that we know we're going to handle. And we're mm-hmm. very good at it. Uh, and then there's the other spectrum, which is those hard-to-sell things, right? The weird one-offs, um, the, the horse treadmill. Um, just, just recently just, just we've weird things. gotten some paint um, out of one of the refineries that they're needing to get rid of. And it's all random colors, sometimes thinner stuff. They found it in a Connex box, and the owner of the Connex box wants it back. And so they need the paint gone. It's kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So All right. It just makes our job interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not always easy, and and that's what we're here for, and that's what our years of experience are for. Mm-hmm. So we know how to handle some of those strange things. That literally, it's those. They come to us and say, "I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do with this," and we help. And right. sometimes we help, and we have a high return. And sometimes we help just by saving them from landfilling it and mm-hmm. doing the right thing ethically. Right. Um, so sometimes it's low dollar like that, but that's what they need, mm-hmm. and that's what we can do as well. Let's talk a little bit about how MMR tackles tough-to-sell items. Take us behind the scenes, if you would, and tell us about how you approach it with a client. Well, in today's marketplace, um, we look for buyers for possibly parts um, to be refurbished. And if that all doesn't work out, we look at metallurgy and we try to get some interest there where some people would just go for scrap. Um, we can actually bid that out and that metallurgy is worth a certain dollar amount to scrap companies. So transformers are, are a good one. We uh, not that long ago had some transformers. <clears throat> transformers unused do carry a high value usually. Um, kind of hard to find for resale. Um, so what we do is we try to focus on the metallurgy that those transformers do have, which do have a high value usually to scrappers versus just scrapping the entire unit. We say, this is how much metallurgy is inside. This is what kind of weight um, that usually tends to lift eyebrows. Okay. And uh, raise the price, I would imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> lift eyebrows and profit. Yes. What a good combo. Uh-huh. And I saw a little twinkle in everybody's eye when we started to talk about the unusual stuff. So let's go there. It makes it fun. Yeah. What's an unusual item that a client needed help monetizing? Michael, do you have some examples of that? I do have an example, a chemical one that you wouldn't really think, but, um, you know, a customer needed to get it moved, get it out. They needed to get new stuff in. Mm -hmm. Um, We helped that customer pretty much with a $1 sale, um, but ended up saving hundreds of thousands of dollars in the, in the process. So, and how, t- tell me a little bit more about that. You saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars because why? Um, logistically. So, um, to transfer chemical like that is extremely expensive. Mm. Uh, just, you don't just get to have a regular truck show up and pour it into a bucket and, and move on down the road. It's everything is, especially in California, which is where this was, 
Um, you, there's so much strict regulations mm -hmm. and uh, so much cost involved in just moving it. Um, it, it, it helped them out a lot. Well, and wasn't the initial um, price on that one, the trucking was going to cost them several thousands of dollars. And by doing the $1 sale and, and negotiating some of the um, logistics on it, we were able to save them about half of the price. I believe so. Yeah. Cost. So saving the customer um, on disposal costs is the, um, is the big, the big deal there on the chemical. Um, them not having to pay the, the high dollar for disposal and selling it for a dollar is where they really had get a big benefit out of it. So it was, so it was trucking, it was disposal. It was all of that. Logistics, that disposal, everything. And, uh, that dollar ended up helping them out a lot. Yeah. And then, um, for reporting wise, they didn't have to fill out all the EPA uh, right. reporting because that they were landfilling or doing, you know, something disposing of it. Mm -hmm. They found a reuse for it. Which and I believe you only get a certain amount of disposal a year, especially yeah. with chemicals and other landfill items. You mentioned that because of your help, the company didn't have to do the kind of EPA reporting that would have been required had they not uh, avoided the disposal of the material. Can you give us an idea of what, what, how much having to do that kind of reporting costs, either in a dollar figure or time or focus away from the primary right. role for the manager? I think man hour wise, it, um, it depends too on how often you're having to report some sites or just annually, some, um, maybe a higher frequency, um, and they're pretty detailed reports. Mm -hmm. The ones that we do assist with uh, for, through our scrap and management programs, we have to go through and let them know what type of metals left and even the metallurgy of those different um, things so that they can you know, check all the boxes and, mm -hmm. and give an accurate report of what they've done. So um, I think it would just vary depending on the volume that's going out, mm -hmm. but it's a pretty thick stack of paper that you go through. And I would imagine if you change status to high generator, that becomes even more of a burden for the yes, company. Yes, more frequent reporting and, and yeah. then you know, audits, inspections, that type of thing. So I'm curious to know, clients got something that they're like, it's a head scratcher. What am I going to do with this? How do they find you typically? Sometimes um, it's that they've worked with us before and mm -hmm. they've moved to a new project. Um, we had a slip, trip, and fall trailer um, in the Corpus Christi area that came about because it was someone we had worked with before. Um, they bought it in 2017 as they were going to to start the project to do some internal training um, because it slips, trips, and falls was one of their highest uh, risk factors for injury. Uh -huh. um, and it was really kind of funny. We had a video with it and the guy demonstrating it, and you had to... <laughs> navigate this slick surface with a cup of liquid in your hand and people threw ping pong balls at you and you couldn't <laughs> drop a, a drop. So we thought that would be a fun team building exercise to take the company out and use too. But, you know, we weren't able to do that. So, um, you know, and some of that, it was, we looked at it and we're like, how can we repurpose this? You know, does somebody have to use it for this? Well, no, it was an air conditioned trailer that some of the sides popped up on. So perfect for trade shows or conventions and stuff like that. And we were mm -hmm. able to market it that way. But um, they find us, they, they talk to their, their buddies. Their buddies used us before um, and mm -hmm. becomes uh, recommended. And we, have, we try to keep a visual presence on the sites that we actually have drive-in access to and uh -huh. continually 
um, you know, visiting with the people we've worked with. Hey, it's been a little while since we've talked to you. What's going on in your life? Um, not necessarily do you have extra surplus, but sometimes those conversations just naturally lead to it then. Mm-hmm. I think also often it ends up being most of the folks that we work with, our clients have a, a role in, mm-hmm. in sales and surplus and managing this hard to sell stuff. It's not it's not their top priority. Right. Um, they have something else. Maybe it's only 25% of their job. And so maybe they're not always thinking about it. And so we try to just make sure, hey, you know, we're here and we can help. And they're always, you know, yeah. they're let like, us take yeah, it I off could, your I hands. Could, I could use some help. Yes. We end up building relationships um, by reaching out and explaining our processes and our successes with working with different companies. And again, back to some of this hard to sell stuff that um, sometimes internally uh, they don't have the resources to to get rid of. And um, I think that our name is kind of carried through the industry a little bit and our hard work and determination, uh, it pays off. And your knowledge, right? You can't downplay that and that you know what you're talking about. Uh, we might not be, what is that saying? We might not know everything or we not, might not know a lot about everything, but we know a little bit about everything. Right. Just enough to help manage what they come at us with. Well, even just knowing what rock to look under to mm-hmm. figure it out what saves people time. If you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. knowing where thing, to look. Yep. And I think the other thing is I think we're really good at looking at this from the outside. If, mm. if they're currently you know, kind of envision the whirlwind, right? If if our clients are in this whirlwind of chaos and I don't know what to do with this, well, we come in and we say, okay, well, maybe you can do this. Um, look at this environmentally from this environmental angle, or you look at it from a different um, angle. So we really come in and look at it from what I think how they're not seeing it yet, and mm-hmm. so they appreciate that expertise from us. We have good processes to streamline. We do. And I think helps us think a lot. Yeah. And I think Michael had a good word in there that determination. I think we are a very determined company and group and team of people. And I think that's why we get excited when those hard to sell assets go through because it's like, yes, you know, we found it, we did it, we've got a success story. It is very satisfying. It is very satisfying. Yeah. Well, that explains the twinkle in your eye. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that reminds me of what I'm working on right now, I think we we had a difficult problem come up at the very beginning of 2020, and it was was lead, Mm -hmm. right? Um, (laughs) And that one's actually been around since 2016. It It keeps not getting loaded or, yeah. (laughs) Well, the good news is I think that the the contract's going to be signed today. Yay! So we will be internally celebrating um, when we finally help this customer, this client, get rid of this lead <laughs> why did it keep get why did this project keep getting delayed it's really hard to find companies that will accept lead mm-hmm. this lead is dirty too it's and it's two five gallon buckets um about half full yeah a couple so. hundred pounds maybe but it's a little dirty yeah and not contaminated like no oil or anything, just dirty just dirty mm-hmm. and um we would find somebody that would take it and they'd come to pick up the other scrap material and Somebody at the site would forget to load it and, you know, different things. And we found somebody that would take it. And then they looked at it and they said, no, I don't, you know, there's not really enough there to do anything with. And so we finally um, had been able to reach out and he had some more material. Yeah. And Stacy took took head on it and just um, found a scrap company that's coming to pick up the other material and they've agreed to take it and um, 
hopefully it will get loaded this time. <laughs> but I met the asset owner at a pipeline conference um, internally, and that was, you know, came over and so you're MMR, you're the one, and, you know, <laughs> and he's laughed now too and said, you know, I didn't like you to start with because you had all these regulations. And then I found out that there's all these steps to make sure that we do it right and we right. meet controls and we do everything. And he's like, you know, I really like you guys. You've worked with me. You helped me get rid of my little stash because he always has just not really junk anything drawers. that junk, <laughs> junk drawers is a great <laughs> term for it of, you know, just a random miscellaneous, not really any reuse with it. Um, and we're able to recycle that for him and, and find a home for it. And he's not having to pay to landfill it. So, so Michael, how do you help a project manager convince the powers that be that maybe the weird thing over there in the corner <laughs> really does need to go? Customers from time to time have stuff sit that's maybe unused or still has value. And what it does is it sits and it corrodes and it deteriorates usually to a point to where a buyer to buy for resale or refurbish, it's no longer in their, in their wheelhouse of being able to do so. Mm -hmm. So we try to get that out when we are able to identify that it won't be able to be reused for the customer and to where we can still get somewhat of a good, decent price from a buyer for the customer. Um, we explain that to them. And mm -hmm. if, try to have them say, are you for sure not going to be able to reuse this or put this back into service? And if not, let's still get you a decent price before it's worth scrap. And then we have no way of, uh, of selling for reuse. Um, for instance, some uh, shoring material was going to get actually thrown away um, just recently. And I talked to a customer about putting it out for actual sale for reuse, possibly. Um, we ended up selling that short material for, for three times what they would have put in the um, scrapping for. That's big. Sometimes the knowledge that we provide is is why to get rid of it, right? So there's, there's holding costs. I think we've talked mm -hmm. about that a little bit before. There's holding costs for that material. Mm -hmm. So just sitting there isn't free. Right. Right. And there's also um, the condition of that equipment so the whether it's it could be obsolete by now right mm -hmm. so if it sits there for 10 years well five years ago you might have been able to sell it for reuse mm -hmm. but now you can't right right so just being aware of that um, is sometimes all it takes to get rid of something well it seems too that a project manager if that's only 25 percent of what they're supposed to be paying attention to it's easy to want to put it off and you guys have a different point of view. You come in from the outside. You see it sitting there. It isn't just something in the background to you. And it's also you see it as an opportunity for your client where they just see it as a task. And I think the point of view is really valuable. Mm -hmm. It's hard for them sometimes too, to see a number in a book um, and go to go sell that knowing that they're not going to get you know, a full price return. Right. Mm -hmm. So what they might be carrying in their inventory, the number is different than the price they'll get for, for it. And it's hard to let go of that. It is. We just got to convince them that the time is better sooner than later mm -hmm. to get the higher return. Right. Sometimes what the clients will look at is capacity. 
right? If their warehouse is at 95% or 97% capacity, maybe that's that trigger that will say, <laughs> I can't move anything else in. Therefore, <laughs> I have to deal with it out. out. We should call in the MAR. That's back to that question of how do we make them look good, right? Mm-hmm. I think the one, the knowledge that we have on how to manage surplus includes um, how to also manage your budget for it, right? So I think mm-hmm. we can coach our clients in saying, okay, well, how about in the 2021 cycle you add this to your budget so that way we, you can manage it mm-hmm. um, responsibly in 2021. Right. Let's talk numbers here. I know you guys like numbers. Just saying. Yes. <laughs> a happy place. <laughs> Most of us are accountants. <laughs> I thought I was picking up some jam over there. Okay. So uh, what are some examples of hard-to-sell items that sold for a crazy amount? And let's start with the good stuff. I'm talking good crazy here, as in it sold for a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a good example of that right now. And it during this time, crazy time of 2020 and COVID, um, there's been a lot of changes in the market mm-hmm. um, and how we sell things, actually. Uh, a, a good one, though, was is, is tubing, uh, tubing and rods that we sell for our clients for some reason. And, and actually, I know a little bit why, but they just have really good pricing right now. Mm-hmm. And so go back to the client and say, this is the market changes. This is and then just helps them prioritize what we should be doing, mm-hmm. um, especially since other areas may be not good pricing right now. Some things are very hard to sell right now um, in our current uh, COVID market. Like valves right now, which we can typically get a really good return on, and we're still getting a fair mm-hmm. price given the market, but we're there's getting, not a lot of use for it. We're getting better than scrap. Yeah, we're getting better, definitely better than scrap, but not as high as we typically see, and it's just because... There's the market saturated, and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of reuse. There's not a lot of new projects or activity going on, and so everything's been scaled back. Projects mm-hmm. are being delayed or slowed down yeah. because of the current crisis. We've got less oil rigs, less workover rigs, less. So there's been a lot of uh, effect in the oil and gas industry, and so with that, this tubing is now a high commodity. So mm-hmm. there's there's less coming out of the ground before you knew you're going to get. Let's just say. They needed 50 tons. You know it's going to come up because that's mm-hmm. part of that recurring thing mm-hmm. that we help with that we're really good at. We know and we know how to manage it. But all of a sudden now, there's only 10 tons. Mm-hmm. So people are calling. We've got buyers calling and saying, I really need this um, because there's just none out there. And you've got some. right? So then we get really good pricing for it. So that's, mm-hmm. what's, that's what's currently happening right now. Everyone's trying to get their hands on it. Yes. Yeah. It's bringing out everybody, even the, the cattle farms in Wyoming. They're looking for tubing. Is there another example of uh, a particular item that sold for a crazy good amount? Good amount. I do have one. We had some 30-inch pipe just not that long ago. Uh, ended up finding a buyer that was halfway across the U.S. from California. Um, ended up having a project that had a customer, one of their customers needed it for. And we ended up selling that for a lot higher than we projected even doing good on. So it was a, it was a big win for us. Was his bid two or three times higher than the other? Four times. Four times. Love that. 
How about a bad crazy amount? As in the client thought this thing was going to get the big bucks and it went for a little bit of nothing. Just recently, we got a request from from um, Australia that they had some N94 masks that were $4 each as far as their return on them that they wanted. And, um, you know, so they're not in 95s or not what everybody's looking at. And then you go and start looking in the marketplace and what the going rate is for even an N95, which is a higher grade mask. And the N95s were like half the price. And um, so it was one of those hard discussions that you have with a client of if this is what you need, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. And so you either need to store them and, and reuse or you need to adjust expectations. Being truthful with a client is one of the, sometimes a very difficult thing to do, and it's the responsible thing to do. Mm-hmm. So in this instance, if somebody, if some manager thinks, wow, I can get a whole bunch of money for this lot of things that I have to sell, and that isn't reality, mm-hmm. um, for them to expect that amount or to project that amount would only hurt them. It's true. And we do, you know, they're hard conversations to have, but um, to the extent possible, we like to do that up front mm-hmm. so that we can manage those expectations because nobody likes to be surprised in the end. Right. And so, yeah, that communication is just key in that relationship uh, with the client. It's not always the easiest thing to do, but the right thing to do. And that's what we, if we have our customer back, that's what we have to do versus giving false information or false hope sometimes. Yep. Mm -hmm. What do you guys do when a client comes to you with a high volume of lots of different stuff that they need to, that may even be kind of weird that Mm -hmm. they need to get rid of? How do you guys handle that? Maybe that spreadsheet that starts with, you know, 75,000 line items. Mm -hmm. How do we tackle that as a team? Yeah. I think one of the first things is that, I mean, we start with a spreadsheet, and it's Excel, so I love Excel. But uh, <laughs> give me a good Excel file. Um, and so, you know, we'd, we'd um, review that spreadsheet just to see, you know, what's there, first of all. What mm-hmm. light commodities are there? Are they stored together? Are they stored in multiple locations? You know, how can we group these so that it's a manageable task? I mean, um, just recently got a, a list of material, and there's oh, over 7,000 valves. Well, you know, the valves are going to vary in um, uh, composition, metallurgy, and size and type and everything. And, and yeah. how do you group those? How do you get your manufacturer? Yeah, yeah manufacturer. Um, you, you parse that data. You start parsing that data to say, how, how can we best manage this? Yeah. I think we spread it out into categories and we try to focus on each area and each mm-hmm. person's strong suits with a list of so many different materials. Exactly. And so you all work as a team we do. in something like that. We do. And, you know, task different people with different things and, you know, and, and go put eyes on it even, you know. And, and is somebody close or does somebody have greater experience with this type of, of material? Mm-hmm. Well, let's get them out there so that they can go. Or, you know, even internally we'll be like, I've got this material You've got more experience dealing with this. Will you look at it and tell me what questions I need to ask when I go back? Okay. I think we did that this morning, right? We, mm-hmm. we looked at that spreadsheet, and some of us are really good at spreadsheets, and actually that's not me. And so <laughs> I will go to Melissa or Kevin or, for that spreadsheet. So starting to parse that out and put pivot tables to it. 
Um, so that's, that was that first. But also the first questions, right? Melissa made to come up with some good questions for that mm-hmm. client. And so we come up with those first questions and we mm-hmm. come back. It is a it is a nonstop process mm-hmm. of how to best manage this and how to do the best lotting. And and if, if the client wants a certain type of auction or, mm-hmm. you know, we look at that as well. Mm-hmm. There's so many different aspects. And that's why it's fun, too. You see that sparkle yeah. in my eye Yes. Because it is really fun yeah. <laughs> because we're, we're developing this solution for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're managing expectations again, too. You know, it's like, is his pain point paying storage on these rotors that are at this one location or his pain point wanting to see some trucks get in and out of the facility and some stuff move from the facility so he can be like, OK, that storage yard is now clear. But knowing, you know, where do we need to focus first? What's going to bring him that make him look best mm-hmm. by taking care of first and prioritizing with his expectations. And bring the most release. If I look at a, a spreadsheet of a bunch of material versus Melissa or Stacy looking at one, you probably all look at it a little bit mm-hmm. different and have different ideas. So for all of us to be able to come together and bring those ideas together and figure out which one's going to work best for the customer. You and I talked about which questions to ask, mm-hmm. like the initial questions from the spreadsheet, but. The other thing we talked about was a buyer's list. But even before we sell something, we know, Michael, you might have some really good valve buyers in, in California, and I might have some good valve buyers in North Dakota or Texas. And so we're looking at that even before, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we, because we also are helping our clients come up with a fair market value or an estimated return mm-hmm. on the sale. So that's, that happens before we even initiate an auction. Yeah, and what what have our buyers expressed interest in and, and perform well on? Or even are there some items on here that we need to look for new buyers for or look for new avenues and mm-hmm. identify those? Okay, let's, let's talk weird here. What is the strangest thing that you have ever been asked to help a client sell? I've had a client had uh, have a, um, it was a snow machine. Have you ever seen one of those machines that creates snow, generates yeah. snow? Um, there was a client that had used this snow machine, and actually there was a hail machine as well. Have you ever seen? It's almost like, almost like maybe like a potato launcher or a shoot a shoot launcher, <laughs> <laughs> but it shoots uh-huh. pretend hail at a right. piece of equipment, and so you're testing the, the, the quality of the material. And so I think that was probably one of the weirdest ones. <laughs> so they were testing shingles, is what it was. Uh, they were testing the shingles to see if the shingles could hold up to a certain amount of snow or hail damage. And that was fun. Interesting. I would say a weird one for me is just recently we deal with a nuclear facility out here in California. And it was a special miniature capsule nuclear x-ray machine. You can tell so, an x-ray machine? <laughs> it, uh... <laughs> I guess a nuclear x-ray machine, something that we haven't found a buyer for yet. It's a special <laughs> virus. We're dealing, with, <laughs> we're dealing with some other nuclear facilities outside of the state to see if we can get that moved. When you're working with a new client, mm-hmm. how is it that you help with setting responsible es- expectations for um, a hard-to-sell item? The first thing we do with our clients is is listen, listen mm-hmm. closely, and we can get an idea of maybe maybe if they don't know what they want, 
but we can help them figure out what they want. Usually with the new customer as well, um, they have a certain outreach and it's usually one person by themselves that's handling this job on investment recovery. Our, our outreach is usually much greater. Um, we have different resources that they usually don't have, mm -hmm. which they might've reached out and tried to sell before and had no luck of any kind of anything on it. And we've got people that buy this kind of stuff on a regular basis. I would say explaining to them our, our resources and how, how large our outreach is globally is a big key. And somebody brought up earlier just the, the different ex, the expertise that we have internally mm -hmm. and being able to draw on that and then be able to provide that information to the client, whether it's market research or uh, the buyer database mm -hmm. or knowing a reuse or just that determination to find that reuse. Let's try and summarize what we've talked about today. Investment recovery is like a Rorschach test. Different people, when looking at an image, see different things. Mm -hmm. A manager can see materials that seem easier to let sit there, when in reality, there's an opportunity to generate a return. Finding a responsible partner to make sure you have solid facts to assess the value of what you have on hand in the corner or in your junk drawer can give you a really realistic and responsible path forward. And finally, finding a partner with diverse experience in different categories of materials with a wide variety of potential buyers can help you find a new home for your hard-to-sell items and help you meet your goals. So guys, how did I do? That's a great summary. Great. Good job. We want to thank our guests today, Stacy, Michael, and Melissa for sharing your time and expertise with us. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. You betcha. To learn more about material management resources and how we can help you responsibly handle surplus materials, visit us online at materialmg.com.